I want to read this. Christianity, this is from Sears Phillips. Christianity is the story of how wrathful kings landed, calling us all to take part in the great campaign of sabotage. I love that. And the thing is, it's a sabotage of love. It's not like we come and we've got this triumphal understanding that's becoming really like we take over governments and it's like this anarchy and stuff. And actually, we're the ones that, that are that the least amongst the which I've been speaking about. We're the ones that are a little bit subversive. And we come in and, and, and as believers, bringing the kingdom of Jesus, his rule, his reign, his dominion. You think of a kingdom, for example, England used to kind of run half the world, the right journey, almost eight quarters of the world, they don't care anymore. But we can see the effects of the English, even in speaking English. They, 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 were, they were one of the main conquerors in the past 200 years of different nations. They conquered financially, they, they were the political. I'm not saying that. Um, but that was from a little, little muddy island in the north of Europe, pretty much the whole world was controlled. And I think if we understand that as the picture of what the kingdom of God is, that, that Jesus came 2,000 years ago, had 12 disciples who left this incredible message with 12 people who were, like the Bible said, unschooled, ordinary men, but they've been with Jesus, and they're ways that have changed the world. And it, and it happens like what the parents do. It's just simply. I've got a balcony. We have a barbecue and grab our neighbors and grab our work partners. Because at the end of the day, we've got the good news. We've got, we've got the news of redemption. We've been doing uh, this kind of four-week series which we're going to do throughout the year, answers to big questions. And I'm trusting that the people who came to that are equipped to answer people with big questions. We live in a Western, post-Christian, post-God society where people are asking about the existence of God. They're going to bring in the whole argument of um, Evolution. They're going to bring in all this stuff, and we need to get equipped to help us give people an answer so they can get over the little stunning parts of the answers of faith in Jesus Christ. Um, the, the, the goal of sit nights and the goal of any local church is to show Jesus in whatever way you do it. And I think we, the light is never switched off in our lives. And sometimes we act as if we can switch the light on and off. I think we need to realize as believers that the light is always on. We always reflect to who Jesus is. And sometimes our lifestyle can be hypocritical and can stand in the way of someone actually coming to say, oh, wow, I know that that person was from a background and all that kind of God has said and God has chosen. They look different. They're from another planet. That's, uh, if we look at the way God explains us, we, we are aliens to this world. We, we are longing for the redemption of us, so we're longing for the, the new planet to take place. And that is the kingdom of God. We've been talking about that the past three weeks, we're going to talk about it into December. But today, I was going to just briefly before I get into what we're talking today, which is around temptation. Wherever Jesus went, there was change. The Bible says that Jesus lives in us, right? Okay, so we've got Jesus. Which is around the Bible. We have the Trinity that is under the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I have to go to heaven in, in John 16 because I'm going to leave the Paraclete, I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit, the one who walks alongside me. So people may think we're insane when we actually can't talk to God. No, but I've got the Holy Spirit living and residing inside of me. It's, not, it's a gift from the Father. It's nothing we've earned. People think you have to, everything in life, and Jesus paid the price, and the Holy Spirit can come and dwell alongside us. So therefore, wherever we go, we, we impart the kingdom of God. Wherever Jesus went, 
And I think sometimes our view of Jesus when we read through the Gospels is that he was a kind of a superman. Okay, he was the best superman. So what we don't realize is that Jesus was modeling what it meant to be 100% man. We constrained his divinity of being God. And it's fully dependent on the Holy Spirit and how it operated. We saw the dead raised, we saw economies change, we saw storms. And I'm saying, can we lift our eyes higher as believers? And that's what God wants for us. Yeah. We're not going to be all the little mini Jesus and start our own ministry, but it's, it's, it's simply expressing the love of God wherever we go. I fully believe and have been convinced over years and years of study and praying it, that God has dealt with sickness and death. On the cross. That we can go and pray for people. When we pray for some of the, the two people that put their hands up, they felt invisible, or like you feel something different about them. I've been radically healed. Debbie told me, who was it, three, four weeks ago, in worship, when we were praying for, for people to be healed, she was healed, kicking, lying, almost, kicking, lying. That's, that is what we, we, we after. We after, because the thing is, the kingdom of God doesn't look like the kingdom of God. And Jesus, when he came, he was so opposed to the religious way. And the amazing thing about Jesus is that the established church, which was almost the Pharisees at the time, they hated him. And can I tell you, the more we pursue Jesus, and the more we pursue the Holy Spirit, religious people are going to hate us. Religious who maybe grown up in church, and I think we need to protect our hearts from some kind of religiosity. But Jesus was so radical and so pushed the boundaries continually. And that's what God has for us, the kingdom advancing in our lives. And I think that happens so simply. It happens through just surrender, which happened this morning. And Jesus, I surrender my life to you. That's, that's the starting point. And that's the ending point. It's a continual surrender to say, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to be intimate with you. I want to, I want to, I want to understand you more. So we're going to be looking at temptation. So can you turn to Luke? Uh, no, Matthew 4, sorry. Matthew 4. Matthew and Luke 4, I want to speak almost word for word of the same class, but Matthew 4 is one I'm reading from. Yeah, Luke 4, yeah. I'm trusting that it's 2015. <laughs> How many get distracted after that? Who's distracted after that? Please think about the rugby game is going to be this great. Um, we, we live in a time, and what I want to talk about is it's obviously big temptations that uh, I think that can wreck your life. You could take, you could go after a deal that is, and has no integrity, that's illegal, that can get you arrested and put in jail. You can, if your husband wife, you could go into an affair that can wreck your family. You could, you could do those kind of big temptations which you want to talk about. But I think so often, it's the little temptations in our lives, the little things to choose something that's good over the best. So it could be like, okay, I'm going to choose for this. Like, this is my life. I want to, I want to do this sport. I want to just I actually think it's better to stay home and find a way with my kids instead of expose them to the kingdom of God, expose them to people to to teach it. I think there's so many things that we can, we can choose. That over the kingdom of God. And eventually, especially I've seen so much of the Bible, our life just keeps moving further and further and further away from the gospel as the kingdom. And I think Jesus was so radical in his discipleship of people, it requires absolutely everything. Jesus specifically put it like this. But see first the kingdom of God 
and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So often we go after the, the lesser things, thinking it's the more important thing. When Jesus is just going to put you first, I will look after you. Can, can that really just be sitting in our hearts this morning? That Jesus, if we put him first, no matter what that looks like, whatever we do throughout our lives, it's going to work out. Okay. I was, and this is my prayer for every single person, and 155% for myself, is that I want to raise a lot of focus going into 2015. I don't want to be distracted. I'm saying, God, this is the year that I want to do certain things. I encourage you to go fast, have a day or two of fasting, uh, get into that culture, maybe because once we we actually seek the Father and say, God, what, what, what future do you have for me? What future do you have for my family? And how are we going to walk into that? Maybe that is your responsibility as priests in the home. Seek the Father. Temptation. Uh, Luke 4, we got on the board. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That is incredible. Just that. It's amazing how uh, Jesus was just baptized. He was referring to the Son of God when he gets into one of these. Led, led, uh, full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. We look at the Greek, we have to look at that. And it's, it actually leads more towards being tested. And I think sometimes when we are, if you look at outside of this, Jesus is about to walk into his calling. And so often in our lives, there's a moment of testing that, that if you fail that moment, God will just say, okay, cool, I'm going to just wait for another time. We have to test you again. We have to test you again. And we can, we can by our own doing, just keep going around in circles. And I think that's a picture of, obviously, the, the Old Testament with the Israelites walking through the desert. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. It was understatement in the Bible. I think it's important to realize that for some people, like I'm saying, sometimes we have this, this uh, view of Jesus that is super weak. He, he constrained his ability to be limited. So he, he, he said, Listen, I'm going, to, I'm going to become 100% man. I'm going to feel hungry. Okay, so when, when we fast, Jesus fasted for 40 days. I know some people have done 40 days fast. you. Jesus did it. That's amazing. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But, it, but, it, but he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the, to the holy city and set him up on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, who will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands he will bear you up, lest you strike him for the devil. It's amazing that the devil quotes scripture. And for me, I've interacted with people who probably may even know something of the history and the understanding of the Bible. And the moment we leave is the atheist because they've gone and they've studied. The devil can know the scriptures, but not know God. And that's the main thing. We want one up on the devil. We can, by the Holy Spirit, understand what the scriptures actually say. He can read it and not get it. Jesus said to him, Again, is it you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. If you want to go look at all of these quotes that Jesus is quoting back from other Jews among the Jews, which is in the point where the Israelite people are wandering through the desert. It's amazing how Jesus knows the word of God. Jesus knew how to fight the enemy with the word of God, which we give it tonight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give to you if you will fall, if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be God, Satan, 
Sometimes we have to shout with God's hands. You know, that's Jesus' hands. You just have to be, you just irritated that, 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 that the devil is facing us. Be gone! We have to sometimes do that in our lives. And sometimes we have to shout and realize that we have the kingdom of God in us. Yeah. And shout things out. You shall worship the Lord your God, this is Jesus speaking, and you shall serve him only, and you shall serve. And only him you shall serve. Sorry, just another version. And the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. It's amazing. I just want to make a quick observation there. That's the devil was promising property that he wasn't going to own anymore. Because up until the point where Jesus died and was, was resurrected and in Matthew 2 and says, All authority has been given to me, therefore go make all disciples. At this point, there was authority over the kingdom and nations that the devil owned. Jesus went and took that back. When he died on the cross, he went and took the keys of death and Hades. I, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, because the Bible doesn't really explain, just as he took that. Like, how did that happen? Did you go to hell? Did you, what, what did you do? What did you do? To get the keys and promises through his death, and uh, he paid the price for sin, and he took it for it. So Jesus knew this. The amazing thing is that the enemy didn't know this. He knew something was up. He knew that in this moment, if I get Jesus with my temptation, the world is mine. And Jesus, can we just thank him that he stood the, the test of temptation? That he stood and said, if, if, if Jesus didn't say it gets that point, he says, be gone, Satan, when he's rebuking Satan, have the authority over Satan. Eventually, and I love later on in the Gospels that Jesus says to his disciples after they've been ministering, they said, I, see, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And I think he was prophesying to the point of the cross when the whole world was turned to darkness. And we learned that actually, in other historical books, other than the Bible, that there's, there's a, a, a report of the world turning to darkness for a certain amount of period on that day. The world was shook and split into history, was split into when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He took absolutely everything upon him. He saw Satan fall out of him. I love, I love what Jesus says. He says, um, he just shouts up on the cross. He says, it is finished. The point, the point of everything, the point of the whole Old Testament, going into the New Testament, of our lives, Jesus goes and I've defeated the enemy. And so often, in our lives, we let the enemy just take ground because we believe what he says. And we need to honestly sometimes just shout and say, God says, come on, be gone. I don't want you. I don't want you to have no right over this property that is a son and daughter of the living God. And I think that's the amazing thing. If we make observations on how Jesus fought the enemy, because he knew his identity. He knew that he had the Holy Spirit. Great is he that is in me and he that is in the world. He knew that God's power was stronger. He knew that any sin and temptation that he had to face, God was stronger than it. And I think so often is that we live in the streets of life. And I think if we want to take sabotage of the kingdom of God and move forward the kingdom of God, we have to realize that Jesus is perfect. We are his son. We are enrolled and enlisted into the army. And yet we get so defeated by little things. We get distracted by little things. And it just it frustrates me so much. Even in my life, I get, I, I get upset about little things. And see people's lives, we get put so many things above God. And when temptation comes, we have to know who we are and whose we are. 
And, uh, and so often, for me, there's, there, there not all of us have grown up with great parents or great mentors. We've actually grown up in, in households that are actually quite broken. And we, we, we have a, a mistaken identity. We think either incredibly highly of ourselves because it's a defense mechanism, or we think very low of ourselves. We often go and also come heal from people's lives. But when, when the tempter came to, uh, when Satan, the tempter came to Jesus, Jesus says, if, and so Satan says, if you are the Son of God, so immediately he questions his identity as the Son of God. I love that Jesus doesn't even get to that. He doesn't even like, argue with that. He just says, I know this is God, I don't even need to kind of bring a rebuttal to that argument. Because I'm the Son of God, and therefore, can we go to the first, first time? He says, if you are the Son of God, you want to start to bring Jesus could have done it. I love when Jesus is an argument because he always wins. He never defends himself. And, and that is a sure sign of someone who is under, who hasn't understood the assumption and there's a lot of insecurities that they feel like they feel themselves. I've had people say stuff that I know is 100% true in one of them. I've said stuff of me that's 100% untrue. Okay. At times I've taken it on board and I've been able to live inside me. And can I tell you, the moment you do that, enemies won. You believe the lie. And maybe you have come from a pleasant Christian brother or sister. And they're like, I feel about like saying this, but they're very like a negative prophetic word. I'm like, wow, you know. We have to learn how to push those things away. And I feel God wants to break it off this word this morning. People who, who think that it was an earned favor with God, people who think very lowly of themselves, People who don't know the authority that is in Jesus Christ, and they let people walk over them like a net. Well, God wants to let them know that you are much like that you have been born So I'm going to pray at the end. The second thing that, so the first thing that Satan attacks is his identity. The second thing that he attacks is where your provision comes from. And obviously, if if we push to something, we will do anything to, to make money for our family, to, 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 bring, to bring something through. But when Jesus says, listen, I know that I'm provided to God, and we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from his mouth. Satan always says the grass is green on the other side. He will always try to paint a picture in our lives that if if we enter into something, we enter into sin, into whatever, then it, it, it's always been and always better. John Kerry says this, he says, I hope everybody can get rich to famous and love everything they ever dreamed of so they'll know that it's not the answer. That's from a man who I, I don't believe is a believer, and he's just realized he's got so tough, he's got fame and money, and I was watching an interview of him, and it's almost such a weird moment with Jimmy Fallon interviewing about him. Just different girls that he's had and girlfriends and all this kind of thing. He goes, So you don't, I'm in a relationship now. He was replying to Jimmy Fallon once, I don't keep relationships really well. He's, he's come to this point where he's, he's highly depressed. He's read anything about Jimmy Fallon. He's got everything that the world can look. He's like, Oh wow, he's got it all. He's got his brain in front of the crowd. He's got his, 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 some of the greatest movies that I've done of all time. And which is right and I think Jesus in this moment, where the enemy was offering and giving his word, he said, No, my performance is in Jesus. My performance is in my God. 
And we need to get to a place where sometimes we are African, sometimes there's temptation, maybe a younger secretary, maybe uh, a, a, a temptation to do a little uh, a deal that doesn't relax integrity. We have to know that our fulfillment and our providers are Jesus Christ first. So I've got two quick points on how we keep focused and how we keep our bottom headers on when temptation comes. Like I say, there's, there's big temptations. There's, there's, for me, I think, I mean, I've got this for women, but I think a lot of it's men who struggle with it. One John says this, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. It comes not from the Father. So, whatever you strike with your life, it's going to fall into one of those three categories. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And every time we... we that those are the things that prevent us from moving forward. So, just two quick points. Number one, don't avoid temptation. We have to avoid the scenes of temptation. So, I don't know what you watch. I don't know what your lives will be. I don't know who you spend time with. I don't know those things. Some of you are good, but some of, a lot of you are not. But I can tell you what you lie into your intimate space and what you ultimately become. Start as dad, always use it. Show me your friends and I'll come beside your future. If you're hanging around with people who are constantly grumbling and complaining, and if you sit with them and say you got for lunch at work, and you sit down with them and they grumble and complain, they're always sitting there, and eventually you're going to pick up on that, and that's what you're going to become. Psalm 1 1, this is the Amplified Version. It says, Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable, I love it, is the man who walks and lives not in the council of the ungodly. Which is means following their advice, their plans, and their purposes. Nor stands, which means being submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to relax and rest with a scornful and mockless gather. That is incredible. It's the best of those who don't go and submit to what people are talking about. And, and can I say this? That as much as you, like, you can. You can hang around, you can be like, I'm focused on God, I love God, I'm looking forward to God, and then if you hang around with people that are either complaining about uh, everything in work, or they're complaining about the church, they're complaining about leadership, they're gossiping, you're going to pick up that same spirit. It's like if I have a partner and I let her kiss the father, which I love to do, she won't let me kiss her if I'm sick, she doesn't let me in her. But um, I let her cross the collar. We were in London recently. And I got a little bit of a call uh, as I came back from the in there's tubes and then it's all up in the there's no air, and you're breathing in everyone else's necks. Okay. It's the same, the exact same thing. Can I say that if you're hanging out with I really just thought God would this on this, if you hang out with people that are gossiping about this church, and you're not saying anything, you may as well be involved in and, and the way I like it to is this. If I, if it was, just to show you something, say Sherry, someone walked in and started stabbing Sherry, and I just watched her, I don't know, you know, this, and then just, just let me sit in the seat of rockers and watch, watch her, etc. No, not one man in this room would let that carry on. They'd run around, they'd tackle that person, they'd stab them back, and then walk that person, that would definitely happen, you'd be the first guy there. The point is, it's the same, the same with what we listen to. And if we are listening to complaints about, and, and grumbling 
and moaning, and we are, we are sitting in that seat of mockers, and we actually submitting ourselves to that. And you think, well, I'm going to be the light there, I'm going to change that. No, you're not. You're the one that's going to end up being the worst. And I think we need to learn as believers that we need, we need to hang out with God, with, with, with those who are in the darkness, and bring them into the light. And we must be very careful who we have into this who we bring the most to us, who we, who we allow into our lives to speak into our lives. And the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. I think our friendships should not push us away from God, but should push us to Him. Here's the thing, you have to I think we need to hang out with people who don't know Jesus all the time. We need to be the light and the influence. Jesus was that example. He hang out with sinners, he was afraid of sinners. We need to be that. But if we want to be intimate, if Jesus had intimacy with his disciples, he had closeness, that he didn't invite the world into his job, but come in close enough, and that we're going to eye shop and we're going to be close to God together. We need both in our life. Bad company corrupts good character. You don't want to fall into intention, what should I do with you? And I think it's so often I'm going to talk about God's but if you. If your friends outside this church are in people who you don't know about and they're living a radical lifestyle that you pray that Jesus brings them into his fall and, and radical sin, that's the only thing I can, I can guarantee you after being in ministry for not very long, you're going to become like And it's, 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 the, it's, it's the saddest thing to see someone who's growing in God, potential God, and they, 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 they keep stumbling because of the things they and I'm saying, God, I want, I want to grow in you. I want to be allowed to swallow. Proverbs 5, can we quickly turn to the last scripture in the Oh, second last scripture. Psalms. Just the thing on the last thing, I think the, the key thing around that is someone's supposed to talk to you about someone else. So why don't you go talk to the person? And if, if people can't take that kind of truth in life, then there's something wrong. And you'll be able to confront them with those things. It says, Solomon Brighton, this is just listen to what I'm saying in verse 3. For the lips of the, of the forbidden woman, now this is speaking of, of the uh, lasting of the woman, but this could not be known as anything. The lips of the forbidden woman drip honey. In the end, she is as bitter as women, sharp as the twenty sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to show, which is hell. And she does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep, uh, keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. Then she give honor to others and the years uh, to the merciless. Let strangers take their foot and strength, and your neighbors go to the house and will find them, etc. And then we go to this. Verse 17. Okay, sorry, verse 3. I was reading this yesterday. Why should you be intoxicated, uh, my son, with forbidden, with a forbidden woman? To embrace the bosom of an adulteress. See, the thing is, any temptation is enticing. Always looks better, looks greener. And I've honestly had friends who, who, who have fallen for this in ministry, who have just they've seen something that looks more enticing than my life, but actually 
not like someone says that, that the, the glasses are supposed to be not the other side, you still have to mow the other one. There's still going to be problems. There's often going to be more problems. And you actually, and I love as it, as it starts to speak to the end of verse 5 and going to first off, it just basically says that they've been chained across the world. If you want to follow the path of temptation, it could be anything. I think God's highlighting stuff in people's minds. It could be uh, pursuing money and career above the kingdom of God. Because I think the two can work together. I think we need to be influential, we need to understand the God, which is really all that kind of thing. If we are, if we are pursuing a career at the expense of the kingdom, we will it. If we are pursuing a family life at the expense of my family being in the kingdom of God, we will miss it. If we are, if, 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 if they're losing intimacy with your wife, and you're trying to find it other places, again, in pornography, and uh, maybe, since the thing about temptation and all of that stuff, it starts in the mind. Well, I'm not going to do it, but I'm not think about it. The moment you flirt with the adulterous woman, in your mind, you're halfway there. And that's what starts to happen. So I, you know, Last point, don't trust yourself too much. So just two simple things, watch out where you hang out with, and don't trust yourself too much. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, it says, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Galatians 3, 3 says, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? And I think we need, we need to take four uh, answers and it says, watch your life, in your doctrine person. Watch, watch how you conduct your life because you can easily find a way down the path. And that's why I think that we don't repent once in salvation, but it's a continual repentance of coming back to Jesus, coming back to Jesus, repenting. He brings love, He loves us. Can we all stand, please? Father, we thank you for your word that changes us.